We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by betonline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight, as always, my number two, my co-host, my um, my number one stunner, former NFL, de- NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Just rolling how, along. How, how are you as far as like, well, I know you were kind of like, doing better with getting over the Super Bowl loss and stuff than me because you're not, like, as emotionally attached. Um, me, I'm still... I, I think I'm kind of over it, but I, I won't watch it. So maybe I'm not really over it. I, I won't watch it. I haven't watched the uh, the uh, mic'd up thing at all. Won't watch it. Um, the, uh, the NFL film, films thing? Yeah, won't yeah. watch it. I have not... I have not watched any... Videos with anyone talking about the game. I haven't watched, I haven't listened to any podcast. I actually listened to KBR maybe twice. And then I listened to like uh, a snippet of some like uh, Middlecoff and Haberman or Haberman and Middlecoff uh, pod. And that's about it. I, not not much uh, 49er content at all, really. No, I mean, I'm Sam in the same boat. And like like you said, I don't, I don't want to take anything away, obviously. Even if you're, let's say, even if you're just a writer covering the team, 
you still feel somewhat invested in the outcome. Like you, you're constantly around these players and you know, you want to see them succeed and do well. And and obviously you don't like seeing their heart broken and you don't like seeing, you know, all these things, you know, you don't like seeing them fail. So it's not like, you know, even your most ardent beat writer, I still think feels even a little sympathy for the guys. And, you know, obviously in, in their heart, I, w- I would believe that they want to win. They want the team to win because, right. and, you know, and then there's the added bonus of getting to, to write about a team that just won the Super Bowl and, and all the, the fun stuff that comes with that. And, and the, uh, you know, the, the parade and all that good stuff. So it was disappointing to see them, them, them fall to the chiefs and especially in the, the manner in which it happened. But I don't want to sit here and harp on, on a Super Bowl that, you know, has come and gone. And I think everybody who's listening has probably digested it in one form or another, not to say you're over it, but I, I would probably be, it would be a safe bet in saying that they don't necessarily want to rehash it anymore, you know, but yeah. uh, it is what it is, you know, and, and my, you know, my, my, and my takeaway from that is, is, and I think we talked about this is, is it was almost like a Super Bowl a year earlier than people thought they could compete for a Super Bowl. And I, I see the 49ers being just as good next year. You know, I, I feel like that season had as many games that like could have gone the 49ers way and didn't as it did games that went the 49ers way, you know, like obviously they won like a shootout with the saints, but they still lost some close games. Like the 49ers were ridiculously close to going undefeated last season, you know, like their two losses were by a field goals their two two more prominent losses were by field goals, then obviously they blew one against the Falcons. So I still think the 49ers are a very exciting team, and I've kind of just given myself time to kind of just not even think about football. And then then obviously, uh, you know, at some point soon with the uh, combine approaching, I'm, I'll turn it on and it'll be – turn it on again and it'll be more aimed towards the future, you know. So it's – I just – it is what it is, man. You just kind of move on, and, and I feel for the team. And I just got done playing some Xbox with Raheem, and, and he sounds like he's doing better. And he, obviously, for uh, you know, he was he was he was hurting there for a little bit. I, you know, I've played a few times with him over the past couple of weeks. So, but he's uh, you know he's back in it. So, and I th- I'm a, I'm assuming that's kind of the same way with everybody. But uh, right, you know. But now we're uh, we got the combine and like. I, I want to say less than two, less than two weeks, almost a week. It's, it starts on like the 20 February 22nd. Yeah. 23rd. So it's like next Sunday or is that this Sunday? That's this Sunday. Dang. It's right here. I can't believe that cre- crept up so fast. Cause I mean, you know how it is the past few five or six seasons, the off season started early January. Is it, is it really this Sunday? Yeah, it's the it starts on February twenty third. Now, obviously, it starts a little low key. They don't start the workouts and stuff till a little later. But you know, yeah, it's, it's it starts on February twenty third, which is weird, right? Because, like I said, we're you and I over the past few months have been used to the idea that Forty Nine ers season ends and then you have two months before the combine starts. Right. <laughs> Whereas the Forty Nine ers season just ended a couple weeks ago, so. It's a little different. Really creeps yeah. up. And, and we talked about getting a, a late jump on some of these prospects, man. I'm like, I'm just now getting to them. I, I still haven't even gotten to the cornerbacks. And a lot of people hit me up and, hey, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? I'm like, man, I don't think anything about anybody because I haven't watched anyone. I mean, you know, I just got done with the receivers. But um, prior to getting through the receivers, 
I mean, and really just in the last week, I, I hadn't watched anybody really. Right. And I, and I haven't either. And, and I really enjoy the combine. I enjoy looking up draft prospects. I enjoy kind of like, you know, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like making, you know, putting my stake on players and like getting invested in player success, picking my favorites, seeing how they do at the combine. You know, I, I really enjoy doing all that stuff. And it, it really just doesn't seem like <laughs> I have done any of it yet when that's really one of my favorite parts of the off season. So, you know, at least over the next couple of days, I'm going to have to really kind of look at some, some of these, uh, you know, draft sites and their rankings and break down some of them. Now, obviously I'll look at everything with the lens of the fact that the 49ers aren't picking until 31, probably the worst place to pick in the entire first round, you know, because, no one cares if they're picking 32nd after they just won the Super Bowl. But 31 really sucks because <laughs> right. you're way back there and you got nothing to show for it. So, but, you know, it is so, you know, I'll, I'll look at everything with the lens of there's going to be so many, you know, 20 or 30 guys that I'll, I'll essentially cross off saying I don't, I don't expect the 49ers to have any chance at this guy. Um, but you know what? Like, let's look at last draft. Like, at this time, Especially after the combine, nobody in their right mind thought somebody in the late first round would have a chance at DK Metcalf. And then all of a sudden, draft rolls around, and and NFL teams just don't see things like we do, right? You know, and and that I would probably say if they were to redraft, he would go quite a bit higher, given how he's done in Seattle. Um, but you know, that's that's how the draft is. It's weird. Like I still that. think that was so, it was so ridiculous for him. It was not weird. To, yeah. It was weird. And, and there's, there's also things that we don't know, right? We, we don't know the, the player's personality. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of unknowns, the medical, medical stuff. Like there are a lot of unknowns that make guys drop for various reasons. Uh, criminal history, like, you know, a lot of things that we don't personally know. So some of that could be it too with, you know, a guy like DK Metcalf or um, I remember, when was it? Uh, two years ago when Mika Fitzpatrick was coming out and Der- and Derwin James and it was like, oh yeah, they won't be there by the Niners pick at nine. And it was like, well, they were both there. And Derwin James didn't go into the middle of the first round. So yeah, when the draft rolls around, there's a lot of people that say, oh, this guy won't be here or that guy won't be there. And I'm always like, man, you, you really just never know. <laughs> right, right. There's always a few, you know, the guys that are consensus over ones like Joe Burrow, unless things completely fall out of the sky, then obviously he's going to be gone really. There's usually a few, you know, Nick, everybody knew Nick Bosa wasn't going anywhere. Um, but at the same time, stuff happens. And, and that's what I one of the things I love most about draft season is uh, it's just unpredictable and things change and guys can, you know, improve their stock and hurt their stock. And it's all over the place. So. It's entertaining time, but speaking of entertaining time, something we kind of talked about before the pod that is 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 not 49ers related, but definitely Bay Area related, and I just thought this is something that we had to talk about because it's just it's a mixture of, of funny and sad, and it has some some relevance to just sports in general. But the uh, the Aubrey Huff stuff, you know, Giants former Giants baseball player uh, on the team. In 2010, when they won the World Series, well, the Giants just straight up came out and said, uh, you're not going to be uh, invited and you're not coming, you know, which has been 
it's been kind of twisted and warped into many things. Um, Aubrey Huff kind of came out defending himself, basically saying that the Giants didn't want him there because he was a Trump supporter, which I really stay very, very far away from this. And you never see it on my Twitter. And it's very purposeful. But I, I really try to distance myself from politics, especially like identity politics, where you really identify with groups. And, and it's just I try to stay away from it. Always seem like a bad recipe. But if if you have followed, not even followed, because I don't really think anybody listening to Strike and Gold would follow somebody like that. <laughs> but if you just look at the things he said on Twitter, you can tell that he's not being excluded from this World Series reunion because of his political affiliation. Right? Like, I know. It, I it, yeah, that, that's not the reason. I mean, and I, I didn't know. It, I didn't know he said that the reason why was because of the whole he's a Trump supporter thing. That can't be further from the truth. It's his Twitter account. Like he he, he tweets the like the most out of pocket stuff. Like like and I, I you know before we got on here and I don't know if you want to touch on it, but the whole thing with like kidnapping the the the, the females. Did you 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 know about that right? Yeah, he said right when we when things kind of popped off with Iran. I know he made some comment about invading, like it, it, it was like he was quote tweeting somebody who made a comment about invading that country and him yeah, saying. I, I have it right here. If you, if you, you want yeah, me to yeah, read go, it? go, go, go. All right. So, so somebody tweeted him, we should invade Iran and take their bitches. Persian girls <laughs> are hot as fuck without the headgear. And you know, <laughs> and you know, they know how to act right. Makes you think. And Aubrey Huff quote tweeted it and said, let's get a flight over and kidnap about 10 each. We can bring them back here as they fan us and feed us grapes, among amongst other things. And he put like the little evil face. Now he's saying, oh, it's a joke. But to me, I, I, I don't think that's something you, <laughs> you can really joke about, right? Not to the, like, you can't joke like that. Okay, well, there's, there's two, th- two ways to look at that, and neither of them are good. One, you either have the have a, a horrible sense of humor that you should not repeat over social media, and you should only talk talk that way in front of the people that can tolerate you in person. Two, it wasn't a joke. You said something that was actually the truth, and it was so poorly received that you decided to make it a joke to try and cover your ass, which is definitely the route he was taking. You, you can't use the word kid, kidnap like, like you, you can't. You can't, you use, can't do that. Neither, you sh- neither of those people should have used any of those words. <laughs> they should have <laughs> not hit send on those tweets because both of them, those tweets were just absolutely horrible. You know, but and it and it just goes to show you the the type of people that probably follow him and and are down with the stuff he says. And it's you know here's here's the big thing. And you see this a lot in sports. And this is why it kind of comes back to the 49ers, because this happened to the 49ers quite a bit as of late, is people confuse the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom to express yourself, freedom to say kind of what's on your mind without fear of repercussion. People confuse that with everyday life. I'm a school teacher. Okay, Public image and perception is a very real part of schools, um, school districts, and how they're perceived and how they go about their day-to-day business. 
if I just started popping off on Twitter with some racist, racist, transphobic, any, you, you guys get my drift. Anything that was, that would be perceived poorly by the general public, I am going to be held responsible for that by my employer. Freedom of speech means that you can't say something and the government comes and puts a black bag over your head and throws you in jail for talking bad about, you know, the government. That's that's what freedom is. That's the freedom of speech that's outlined in the Constitution, more or less. You can you that doesn't that, that doesn't cover you and your job and the people you work with and the people you surround yourself with. The Giants are an organization that obviously in professional sports, they their perception and their and how they're perceived by the public determines their value. You know, like if they felt like he was you know, obviously didn't represent anything close to what they were trying to, to, you know, in anything in the Bay area, you know, if there's one area that will not tolerate any of that shish, it's the Bay area. And so he didn't get invited because of that stuff. And it's not because they're not, the giants are not voiding the first amendment. That's not how that works. It, you Mm -hmm. have, you get held responsible for the things you say, especially by companies that have ownership and that care about their public image. It's, and there are a bunch of other wild things he said too. Like that, that, that wasn't it. And I just kind of like, when I saw that, that was just like really like caught, like caught me off guard. Like, is this really Aubrey Huff's profile? And then I went through and he says a lot of wild stuff. So it's not just, it's not just that one thing about kidnapping bitches. <laughs> like that, those uh, are their words. He says, yeah, <laughs> he, says, he speaks up against, he says there should never be a female coach in professional sports, period at least professional sports dominated by males, you know, and the 49ers have Katie Sowers, who's, you know, counter sour source. I don't, I don't want to seem disrespectful by dis by uh, mispronouncing her name, but who by all accounts is an excellent coach. I've watched her work. She knows what she's doing and she commands the respect of, of everybody on that offense. And she mostly works with receivers, but there's none of those guys that aren't listening to her because she's a female. One, if you've seen her, she's a badass. She looks like she can kick my ass. She just looks, you know, <laughs> like she knows how to handle herself. And, and by, like I said, I've watched her coach. She does a phenomenal job. And for somebody to just straight up say that basically she shouldn't be allowed to do that, like there's no way to sugarcoat it. That's fucked up. Like, and and when you say stuff like that, there will be consequences around you. No, the government's not going to come and arrest you because that's what the first amendment protects, but that's not going to stop your former employer from saying, Hey, you can't come to our reunion. And like Croc said, his list of, of stuff he says goes on for a long time. And, you know, I think that's just good to talk about because it just gets confused a lot. And same thing goes with like criminal cases and stuff like innocent and proven to proven guilty applies to our court system outlined you know within our legal system it doesn't apply to sports teams and the decisions they make sometimes it, they could get a little bit ahead of themselves let's say a player does something um if this if the team is convinced that he's guilty they can cut him before he's found guilty in court and they just don't want to deal with it that's it's just it, it so often gets confused those things get confused with you know the big picture world with you know the the constitutional type stuff versus the way things work in private sports teams, privately owned sports teams, essentially, you know, it's, they're not the same, 
but hopefully those of you guys listening don't see this as terribly off topic or, you know, digressing. It's just, it's, it's an interesting topic to be had and it definitely applies to, you know, the NFL and, and it definitely applies to things that the 49ers have gone through uh, as of late, you know, you, you, you go back to like Reuben Foster and I, I definitely saw that comment on Twitter more than once that, that Reuben Foster should be, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And that might be the case in reality, but it just doesn't work like that when it comes to employers and, and public perception and stuff like that. So anyways, was I, were we off, were we off base Crocker? Should we get back to some 49er stuff? Well, let's see here. Let's see. Okay. So we got the combine coming up. It's right around the corner, but so you got the combine and then obviously the combine is a precursor to the NFL draft. So the NFL draft is going to be in April, late April, as it always is. But before we get to the NFL draft, we got free agency. Okay. And, and Crocker and I talked a lot about free agency, sort of, sort of talked a lot about free agency last podcast and kind of just broke down the 49ers roster and who was going to be staying and who was going to be going and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, it's the 49ers are in a tough position when it comes to free agency. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it and kind of how they dance around it. Now, one thing I want to lead off with is, and, and Croc, and it, it almost sounded like we lost you for a bit. Are you here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here. I, I actually had it on mute and I was like responding. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't I see the lines on the screen? And then I'm like, oh, dang, I was muted the whole time. So, oh, you yeah, know, I'm it's all good, dude. It's all good. We keep it real here on Striking Gold. And, of course, I could very, very easily hit up our editors and say, hey, can you can you edit this out so people don't know we screwed up? But unless it's, like, really egregious, I don't really care. We're all in this together. Yeah. We're all human. Now we're good. It ain't, it ain't that big a deal. But, um, so, you know, we talked about a lot of the, the 49ers kind of impending free agents, who was scheduled to hit the open market, stuff like that. And, and I, while what we're going to do is, is instead of focus on those, and we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the players we feel like the 49ers should put, push to keep the most, but we are going to present you with our weekly, you know, obviously one of our biggest sponsors right now, our biggest sponsor is betonline.ag. So we are going to bring you the bet online free agency focus for today. Now, what we're going to do between me and Crocker, we're going to pick a position or a player. You know, you can pick a position and a player that we feel like the 49ers should address in free agency. Now, bear in mind that the 49ers are backed up against the salary cap. They're backed up when it comes to draft pick capital. That doesn't mean they can't make a splash, but it will take a lot of work to get there. So some of these players might not be the absolute best at that position, but we think they're somebody that's within the 49ers grasp, somebody that can have an impact. So our betonline.ag free agency focus, Eric Crocker, what are you thinking with the limited resources? How can the 49ers improve? Uh, so I think the team is is good, right? I, I don't think we like have to make too many additions or anything like that. And and I think the team will still be able to compete for a Super Bowl. Where I would like to see the 49ers improve, like a like a lot of other people, is that offensive line, specifically the right guard position. Um, person was kind of up and down, and there were a lot of times where guys were getting pushed right back into Jimmy Grapple's lap. So I think the guy I would like for the 49ers to kind of go after is Joe Thune, New England Patriots uh, guard. 
I think that's somebody that could just kind of solidify that spot. I, I know a lot of people want to go the route of the draft. Me personally, I don't want to draft an uh, office alignment because I think the 49ers actually have good young office alignment. I think it's just that one spot that they need to just shore up. And I would rather them just shore up with somebody that's a veteran. Um, and then that'll free them up to, you know, go after someone else. <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, another position, a receiver or a cornerback or, you know, something like that. So um, I would, yeah, I would really like for them to go after a guard um, in free agency and kind of shore up that line. I think that's, I think that's a solid choice too, because, and we were talking about this before the the pod, but another person that's going to very much be in that mix for a starting spot next year is Daniel Brunskill, who came in um, during the season for, and he played at both tackle and guard and was really, really good at both spots. So, and you know, this is a guy who used to play on the AAF, you know, the now defunct league that, you know, it, the XFL has kind of propped itself up in the AAF's place. Um, the AAF tried to be the first like, kind of minor league NFL team to market. And, you know, obviously it didn't go well. They didn't have the capital to make it work. But I believe Daniel Brunskill was on the San Diego fleet, which was like my yeah. self-proclaimed AAF team that I was going to be a fan of. And uh, which is interesting. And the 49ers ended up picking up. And this guy has stepped in and proven himself a legitimate offensive NFL offensive lineman. So I And, and not only a legit offensive lineman. I want to say he maybe was the 49ers' highest-graded offensive lineman this year. Right, and I and, and I, I think my it, it wasn't like limited snaps either. I mean, like he he played a significant amount of snaps, and then I think he even got some at right guard. So um, he he's a you know he's not like a household name, I guess you could say you should say, but he was solid, and then not just him. Like I mean, he was solid. School was. Solid, you know, for a rookie, and I think he can improve and get stronger. And then the other guy, uh, Garland, Ben Garland, as center, um, he played well. You know, I think just for like a lot of guys that were just kind of young and you weren't expecting much out of them, I think they played well. So if the 49ers are going to kind of like upgrade the offensive line and it's not going to be one of those guys, I would like them to bring in a free agent and maybe still give some of these young guys an opportunity to kind of develop. Yeah, I think some guy to come in uh, like like Thuni that you picked, you know, that's somebody that that they're not necessarily going to have to break the bank for, but it's a guy who can come in, compete for a starting spot, and somebody who can step in and fill it in. Yeah, I, while you were talking about it, I pulled up um, Brunskill's Pro Football Focus numbers, and he had a, a 73 overall grade, which is considered you know green, a good grade uh, for in for from pro football focus and he had a he had an 80 pass blocking grade and a 65 run blocking grade so a little bit better against the pass than the run but at the same time that's kind of what the 49ers are probably looking for is to keep Jimmy G uh, you know protected a little bit um I mean he had 474 snaps played on offense 230 to three of those were pass block snaps and he allowed two sacks no hits. So, I mean, he, he wasn't bad by any means. So, you know, to get that kind of production out of a guy who came from the AAF, former San Diego State guy, like that's that's impressive. And the 49ers have kind of proven that they're pretty good at identifying guys like, you know, pulling them out of the out of the rough like this. But so my betonline.ag 49ers free agency focus would be um, towards the secondary. And I'm kind of making this pick. Um, was that Eminem? No, I don't 
I don't know what that was. <laughs> Sounded like Eminem. I was like, dude, you can play Eminem while I'm making my bet online AG free agency pick. Like that'll that maybe like will pump everybody up or something. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, hmm. You know, obviously going to the safety position that would be kind of be where my focus is, and I'm assuming that the 49ers might have to let Jimmy Ward walk. And you know, Ha Ha Clinton Dix has been on the Packers. Now he's on the Bears. And, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure where his stock sits and how much money he's going to command, going to command in comparison to Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward's already come out and said that 49ers kind of have the advantage in any free agent negotiations. And I do feel like he will, he will, he might throw a little bit of a bone their way just because they've stuck with him all this time, especially Kyle and John, who, who really had no allegiance to him. They didn't draft him. But at the same time, if the 49ers have to go a different direction, I think someone like Haha ha Clinton Dix uh, would be a, a good, someone good to add. He, he was on the Redskins uh, in 2018, and I believe they traded him to the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he had a really good season. And one of the things I know you said, Croc, that you, that you feel like the secondary, uh, the deep secondary still kind of lacks is takeaways. You know, like give me some interceptions, right. you know, make some plays and and. Um, Haha had five passes defense. Like he, he batted down five passes, had two picks, and one of them was returned for a for a t- uh, fifty nine yard touchdown. So it's you know that's that's pure that's like box score scouting, pure and simple. I have in no way watched all of his film, but I feel like on surface somebody like like that would be a good target for the 49ers. It's not necessarily going to really break the bank, and you know he's he's currently making three million a year, which is not much. You know, and I don't feel like his stock will be higher going into free agency than maybe it has been in years past. Maybe it could be. Um, another option is is the Vikings uh, Vikings safety Anthony Harris, but I think he's probably going to con- be considered one of the better. You know, there's Tony Jeff- Jefferson for the Ravens, and st- I, I think Anthony Harris is going to be considered one of the better safeties to hit the open market. So I'm not sure he's he took be- the ball away. Right, right. He did. He was really, really good. Um, so I'm not sure if he's going to be a guy that the 40, you know, he might, I'm not sure if he's going to be within range of the 49ers, you know? So, I mean, that guy uh, this year had six interceptions, you know, that's, that's nuts. One of them was returned for a touchdown. So, you know, there's just that, that productivity, 11 pass breakups. Dude, those are like elite corner numbers, let alone <laughs> yeah. a, a safety getting in the mix that much. So he's somebody who, you know, you can, you know, aim for the sky and, and hope the 49ers can bring in Anthony Harris. That would be pretty epic, but they would have to make a lot of moves. But that kind of brings me to my next point. So that was Crocker and I's, you know, betonline.ag, free agency focus. But, and I want I, I want you to talk on this, Crocker, because I know you already mentioned it, that, that kind of one of the things I'd put in my notes is the 49ers – it's going to be tough for them to make a slap, uh, a splash. You know, they have very little draft picks, which we'll talk about in a little bit. They have very little cap space, you know, but what were, what were you saying, Croc? What was your, your counter argument to not expecting the 49ers to make a splash? Well, I was saying, you know, you, you kind of brought up Slay and said that it was, you know, highly unlikely. And, and I agree. I do think that it's highly unlikely. Um, the reason I think it's highly unlikely is because the 49ers also have Richard Sherman. And I can't see them trading for and giving up because I think when people hear draft capital, it doesn't have to be like this year, right? I, I think what, what the 49ers do to get uh, D4, they traded a future pick, right? 
Yep, they traded this year's 2020 pick. Right. So they, they traded me, a future yeah, they, pick to get yeah. – 2020 second round pick. That's what I was trying to say. And it just like fell out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And that trade happened before last draft. So um, something like that could happen again, where it's like, okay, we want Darius Slay, but hey, we're not going to give up a first or second or third round this year because we also have to sign this guy to a big contract. Let us push off that draft pick another year, you know, give us, give you a second next year. And then we also have to sign them. So, um, and then as far as cap space goes, I feel like if a team really wants to make it work as, uh, along with whatever else they have going on, they, they will. Um, so Slay, uh, he's definitely an upgrade over really anybody that the 49ers have right now, but you know, yeah, I think for, for somebody like you who knows cornerbacks much better than I, I think that there's probably be a. You know, somebody could make an argument that you know Slay is an upgrade over Richard Sherman, just given the age difference and, and stuff like that. But I mean, nah, he it's he 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 is from from an athletic ability and like playmaking ability. Well, it's tough to say because Richard Sherman, his numbers were like like his like the analytical part of it was really good, but just kind of like you know watching the eye test, it, it, Slay is today is a better like. You know, well-rounded cornerback, man to man. He he shadowed guys. He followed them into the slot. Um, he did a ton, and he was really good. So, and then I saw somebody pull up some stats, and since 2014, nobody has had more passes defended than Darius Slay. So, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, and you hit on it. Is that that, you know, not to bring that up. That's not an (laughs) an indictment on on Richard Sherman. I am in no way Darrell Revis, but you know, I Darius Slay did a lot of shadowing, which is you know a testament towards his ability. And like I said, I'm not bringing up the argument versus holding one side and shadowing, but it's you know that's just an impressive thing to do. So you know, the 49ers have a lot of players that you know it's 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 hard to kind of just paint them in a way there, there are players, there's definitely fat to be trimmed. I'll put it that way. Okay. There are players that the 49ers could part way with that are making quite a bit of money that wouldn't necessarily impact the 49ers chances at a playoff run next year. You know, there, there's a few of there. you know, I always hate talking about this cause I don't want to be misconstrued or taken the wrong way, but you have guys like Solomon Thomas, who is a first round pick that just hasn't worked out. And I believe I, at one point over the cap had this on there, but for some reason they removed the option where you could see what a guy's salary cap impact would be if he was cut after June 1st type of deal. Um, you know, Solomon Thomas is a guy that I, I think it's safe to say he hasn't worked out, but there's definitely a chance that he could, he could turn it up or, you know, the light goes on or whatever. You know, that's somebody that they're paying a lot of money to given he was the third overall pick that could, you know, could go the way of the wind. Um, you know, you have guys like Jarek McKinnon, who their contract is going to greatly alter. That's almost guaranteed. If he stays on the team, he's going to get a new contract, um, one that's significantly less money. And, you know, there's a few players here and there. So, And I think the biggest thing that Croc said that, that, that is very true is that if a, a team wants a player and they want him bad enough, like they've determined, like, okay, this is our offseason guy. This is the guy we want. They will do what it takes to get him. They will cut players. They will restructure players. They will forfeit future draft picks. You know, they were tr- they will trade players to get draft picks only to trade them away. You know, it, there's there's all kinds of things a team will do if they have decided that like this guy is going to be our guy. So, 
you know, there's there's definitely some interesting routes the 49ers can go in free agency. But to me, if the 49ers can retain, let's say they have the let's say the five most impactful free agents. Let's just run down the list. Emmanuel Sanders, Jimmy Ward. This is in no particular order. Emmanuel Sanders, Jimmy Ward, Eric Armstead. Um, who else? Let's see. I'm going to go with Kendrick Bourne and Ronald Blair. I'm, I've got to go with legitimate people that are, that are going to become undrafted free agents. And even Bourne, I probably shouldn't pick him. He's a restricted free agent. Um, who else do I want to pick here? Let's just go with the top three. Let's go Emmanuel Sanders, Eric Armstead, and Jimmy Ward. Those are those are like my top three. Um, if the 49ers can keep two out of those three, I think that they've done a perfectly fine job this offseason. Bear in mind that that also includes the fact that the 49ers are expected to extend one tight end, George Kittle, with probably, you know, he'll be far and away the high, league's highest paid tight end. They're also expected to make a decent effort to extend um, or sign to a new contract to Forrest Buckner. Um, you know, so I'm almost saying those, in, you know, with those included. So to me, the winning free agency for the 49ers has a lot more to do with what they do inside their walls than it does, you know, the actual free agent market. What do you think? Right. No, I, I agree. You know, it's 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 going to be even that it's going to be tough. The 49ers are going to have to wheel and deal. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure they're going to have conversations about guys within that building taking, you know, kind of signing a team friendly deal, so to speak, under the the promise that they're going to try and keep this team that just went to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. together. And this is what happens when you win. Um, teams go, have to go through this. There's different kind of, you know, roster turnover and decisions are a lot tougher and um Kudos to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for just putting the 49ers in this position to where, you know, three years in, going into year four, it's these are the tough decisions on, okay, how do we make this team even better, <laughs> right? Because that's what the 49ers are trying to do right now. And I think ultimately uh, this is a good problem to have. You know, what players should we keep? And, you know, it, it sucks, you know, as far as the draft capital this year, but realistically, excuse me, how much impact would a rookie make on this roster right now? Uh, you know, that's that, I think that's tough because just when you look at it right now, there's there's a decent amount of depth at most positions. I think outside of maybe edge rusher, if somebody kind of goes down again. And even then, I mean, healthy, like if the team is healthy, then they do have a lot of depth at edge rusher. So, um I think everywhere I mean, it's it's a very interesting roster, man. Uh, it's set up very well. Well, and there's still a, a, a few things I want to say about this, but before I we keep going, because obviously Crocker and I can bounce back and forth all night long, but we got to take a break to get a quick word from our sponsor that we've already mentioned a couple times: Bet Online. Now, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports, plain and simple. March Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day, they're all right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all of the latest news, scores, odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Okay, The best part is when you sign up, you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus. So essentially what that means is whatever money you're going to put into the system, they're going to give you 50% more. So that's a really sweet deal. Um, the Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. 
We can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Okay, so head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on the first deposit. We signed up. I signed up. I'm not even a big sports betting guy, but I've been trying to kind of ease my way into it because, you know, there's some bets that I just think are are easy money sometimes that I want to take advantage of. That's, you know, do it. Get in, at least put yourself in the position to bet if you want to. Super easy. And you're if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Okay. To support Crocker and I and Kevin here at Striking Gold. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E. W-I-R-E. Okay. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of sports betting, and I can't remember the exact bet, but there was an over-under on, I think the over-under over on Kyle Juszczyk's first, re- first reception of the game was like five yards. And I was like, man, that is free money. I was like, every time they hit Juszczyk, it's at least for like 15 or 20. Like they're always just these random, like big plays. So uh, when I saw that one, I was like, dude, if I was a betting man, I should jump all over that. And then I signed up and it was already, you know, over with. And I wish I would have taken that one because I think his first catch, I mean, it was either a big player or it was that touchdown catch. I can't remember which one came first. Um, I think his touchdown catch came first. And then I think he had another big catch, like maybe like the next drive or something like that. Right. There were a couple of use check stats that were people were betting on that I was like, man, that's that's easy right there. Like anybody who knows the 49ers would know to take the over. And I just didn't pull the trigger because I'm a wuss. You know, I, I couldn't get into it. But going back to what Croc said, I want to touch on it real quick because I want to jump into some draft prospects. I want Croc to talk his magic. He's been digging into receivers a lot, uh, which could end up being a need for the 49ers. We'll see. But one of the things I wanted to make sure I went back and, and reiterated was, the fact that the 49ers are in this position, yes, they just lost the Super Bowl. I understand that it kind of sucks right now. But take a minute to enjoy the bright side and the fact that the 49ers are in this position after the third year, only the third year under Kyle Shannon and John Lentz. That's pretty freaking impressive. The 49ers have already built a – they went from a 2-14 and 14 team that should have had the number one overall pick to a Super Bowl contender in essentially less than three years. And I kind of gave – Obviously, it worked out for them because they got Nick Bosa. But, you know, you can kind of give the team a little bit of a pass. Last year, when Jimmy Garoppolo went down with the torn ACL, who knows how many games they would have won that year. You know, they could have been a playoff contender in 2018. But when you lose your starting quarterback, that's a big deal. But I, I just think it's important to acknowledge how well Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have done in quickly building this team up into something where they have to have these conversations about which great players are we going to keep and which we can't. You know, those are the conversations that good teams have. The Patriots have been letting go of good players for a long time. That's just, you know, the position they put themselves in. And and I think that's really, really, really impressive that the 49ers are even there. And, uh, and we're even talking about them like a team that, you know, is going to have players poached because they were just in the Super Bowl. That's just the way it is. But, Okay, so the last thing I think we need to touch on that we need to start easing towards, especially with the combine coming up, just to give you your little 49ers draft, NFL draft primer. Um, Right now, the 49ers have six picks, I believe. The only problem is only one of those picks is in the first four rounds. And 
again, it's sort of a good problem to have. The 49ers have spent those picks on valuable assets like D Ford and Emmanuel Sanders, which if they don't keep Emmanuel Sanders around, then that's, then that forfeiture is going to seem a little less valuable. But at the same time, Emmanuel Sanders had a big impact and the, the team obviously went on a deep run. So, uh, the 49ers have their first pick is pick number 31, and then they don't pick again all the way until pick number, I believe it's 139 in the fifth round. Okay, then you have 159 in the fifth round. Now that 139 in the fifth round is right at the beginning of the of the fifth round because they when they traded for Emmanuel Sanders, um, they swapped Denver's fifth round pick with the 49ers' fourth round pick. So it's just right there at the top of the fifth round. Um, or it, it's supposed to be. I'd have to look at the... Uh, the exact, you know, place of it. Um, then you have 159, 191, 195. You know, those last two are in the sixth and seventh round. Then you have 223 in the seventh round. So all those picks are super deep. Uh, you know what I mean? And and that's just, again, try not to look at the, uh, you know, the bad side of it in the fact that the 49ers don't have a lot of, a lot of picks. Um, it's it's that way because the 49ers have pushed them, put themselves in a position to succeed. And they've used those picks. And I know there's a huge proponent of kind of draft Twitter out there that believes that you should use these picks to acquire proven talent rather than, you know, not, not every draft pick, of course, but a good way to spend those draft picks is to acquire talent that you know is great. And, you know, that also has an impact on the salary cap because usually when you're doing that, you have to re-sign these guys to big contracts like D Ford. And, you know, a big part of sustaining success in this league is drafting well and getting great players on rookie contracts. But at the same time, I think there's just a delicate balance that could be had of doing both. And Crocker, I know you kind of feel the same way because you were a big proponent of the Jalen Ramsey trade and saying, look, it might cost a first round pick or two, but you know you are getting an all pro talent. I mean, is that still kind of the way the way you're swinging? Yeah, no, definitely. And and even with the 49ers missing, you know, those mid round picks, the 49ers have been accept they've drafted very well in the you know, fifth, sixth round, getting guys that have been, you know, really key contributors. Uh you know, just last year, Gray Greenlaw, Gray <laughs> Dre Greenlaw. <laughs> My grandpa used to talk like that all the time, dude. He would switch <laughs> the letters, you know, and he would always switch them. I can't, I, I'll, I'll suck and not think of an example right now, but you yeah. know, you know, potato, potato pips or you know, potato yeah. chips, or, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so the fact that you just did that on accident is just like awesome. Yeah, I do that all the time, but Dre Greenlaw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that's just one example of a guy that, I mean, he was really good last year. And I thought, like, you know, I brought it up, I think, in the previous podcast where I felt like he was better than Quan Alexander in the Super Bowl. And I was like, get Quan Alexander out of there. And I don't even think they meant to have Quan in there. I think Quan was the, uh, the sub, like the Sam, like he was only in on in uh, base packages. When they went to like uh, nickel, I think it was Dre Greenlaw, and even then I'm like, God damn, get Quan Alexander out. But um, Dre Greenlaw, man, he he was that impressive. And then not just him, other guys uh, were drafted late, stepped in, played well. Uh, Marcel Harris, he had a rocky, you know, start uh, against the uh, the Ravens. I mean, not the Ravens. He had a, actually a good start. You can tell him he forced a fumble. Um, he had a rocky start against the Saints, and then he came back after that, and I thought. He played well. And if they needed him to keep playing, obviously you're better with Tart. But I thought 
Marcel Harris, for a guy that was really getting his first extended playing time, he was re- he was pretty good. Um, you know, they've gotten good production out of Trent Taylor when he was healthy. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, George Kittle, he was a fifth-round pick. So it does, you know, suck to not have, you know, second, third, fourth-round picks. But I do have faith in this team that they've been able to at least get some guys that can contribute with those fifth and sixth round picks. And if they have multiple fifth round picks, six, you know, maybe not everybody hits, but if they can just get one guy that's that contributes as much as a Greenlaw or Trent Taylor, or obviously, you know, I don't expect a George Kittle type production from a, a guy, but if they can get just one guy from this draft to have that type of production and add to this team, that's pretty much ready to go and compete uh, for another opportunity at the Super Bowl. I think that's a win-win situation. Yeah, I think one thing that you could kind of now now one thing I will say is I do expect the 49ers to to trade back. Now, there could be some talent where they're picking at 31 that like really convinces them to stay there. You know, that that could very well happen. And there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with taking the best player available. If, if you're a team like the 49ers right now and you know you don't have a lot of starting spots open, then you take the best player available and maybe you get that one starter from this draft class. And, you know, hopefully the rest of your team, your draft class is like solid depth because the 49ers are in a spot right now where they're at, they're at that point and the 49ers are at that point under Harbaugh where not a lot of draft picks are going to make this team. You know, and if they do, they're, they're, they're not likely to be starters. So if the 49ers feel like picking best player available at 31 because they can target that one guy that might be able to step right in in a starting spot or whatever position, then they will. But I, I do think the 49ers are going to really, really explore trading back. And I'm going to read you a, a really quickly a piece that Peter King wrote about the 49ers looking towards how the Seahawks uh, did things in the 2019 draft that really benefited them. So I'm going to read through it. Okay, the first trade that Seattle made is they traded the 21st pick to Green Bay for the 30th pick, 114th, and 118th. Okay, so that was that they turned one pick, dropped nine spots, and turned that into three additional picks. So they gained two picks there. Then they traded the 30th pick to the Giants for the 37th pick, the 132nd, and the 142nd pick. So there's another two picks added. And then they traded their 37th pick to Carolina for the 47th pick and 77th picks. So, and, and at 47, they finally made their first pick, and that was safety Marquise Blair. Now, that is, you know, they still, and they kept going. They traded the 77th and 118th pick to New England for the 64th pick. So that's when they traded up for DK Metcalf, um, and they lost one. But so... In the end, what Seattle ended up doing is they turned pick 21 into picks 47, 64, 120, 132, 142, and 204. Essentially, they turned their first-round pick, late-ish first-round pick, more late-mid, into two second-round picks, two fourth-round picks, one fifth-round pick, and one sixth-round pick. So, And I'm not necessarily advocating that the 49ers go that crazy because, like I said, there could be a talent at 31 that they feel like that's – Best player available. He's going to start. Let's get this guy. Um, but there's definitely going to be options available to them where they can really, you know, they can pick up a second round pick. They can pick up a third round pick. And they might even be able to pick up a fourth round pick. Depending on what positions they want to lean towards, where the draft depth is leaning, you know, they they could, they might not have a first round pick, but they could really completely stack the rest of that draft. And 
it's just an option to them. The, the option will be there right. for, for them to, to load up that, that draft class because at, at almost every pick, there are teams calling exploring trades, especially in the first round. Now, one thing the 49ers do have going for them at their spot is they're the second to last pick in the first round, which is a prime, prime spot for teams trading up, one, to jump ahead of teams at the beginning of the second round, and two, if you pick your guy in the first round, you get the fifth-year option, right? So the 49ers are going to be in a very advantageous spot to trade back. And again, maybe it's 50-50 for them, but – you know, they, they're in a good spot in the way of the fact that they can take a best player available if somebody falls to them who they love. Um, or they can trade back because there's going to be a market. The 49ers are going to be able to recoup some serious trade capital. And on all they have to do, if, if they have a, a set price in mind, is say, look, we want obviously your second round pick if you're trading up and we want a third round pick or we want this. You know, they can they can immediately basically replace those picks that they lost. So it's, you know. What this draft class looks like right now is not necessarily what it's going to look like come draft day. Um, I would be surprised if it stayed like this. But like Crocker said, to his point, if the 49ers get that first round pick and then all their picks are late, I would feel pretty good about that given what the 49ers have done late in the draft. And Crocker already talked about a lot of them, but you just go down the list. Dre Greenlaw. Hugely successful rookie linebacker that made probably one of the most important plays of the 49ers season. Um, also made the all-rookie team. Right, right. Yeah, that's and that's a great point. Um, Caden Smith, even though he didn't stick with the team, he went to the, the Giants and actually had a big impact. Like, you know, and that's not necessarily credit to the 49ers because when you cut a guy, you know, you don't you don't get credit for what he does with another team. But it, it kind of speaks towards a talent perspective, a talent identification you know, kind of slant. You also have DJ Reed, who was picked in the fifth round last year, who has played a huge role at multiple positions for the 49ers. Marcel Harris has stepped in. And like you said, it's improved. Uh, Julian Taylor showed well before he got hurt. Richie James has been, an, you know, obviously had an impact in, as a receiver and a special teams guy. And then you go back to the mother of all diamonds in the rough, George Kittle, like that's one of the probably you could probably make an argument that that's one of the draft best draft picks of the last like decade. Like, you know, to get a guy that late that develops into arguably the best tight end in the NFL, it, you know, like that stuff does not happen very often. So, you know, there's, you know, and although he hasn't had a huge impact on the field, you and I, Croc and I have such a huge opinion of Trent Taylor. He's was so good. I can't tell you how solid he looked in training camp this year before he got hurt. And and obviously the best ability is availability. You know, he's got to stay healthy, but at the same time, I'm still going to give him a little bit of credit because he's been really good. Uh, DJ Jones has, has been, had a huge impact and losing him there at the end made a pretty big difference. Um, you know, and, and uh, that's pretty much the end of, of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's draft status. But so if and, and, and you just talked about the draft, but they've also done well with undrafted free agents as well. Oh yeah. Big time. So, yeah. I mean Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Matt Breida, Manuel Mosley. Uh I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that alone, you're talking about three guys that they didn't even draft. I mean, they got undrafted that have had you know, solid impact and Nick Mullins and Nick Mullins. So um, they, they've done a good job of building this team in a variety of ways and acquiring talent, you know, however, and they've missed, 
you know, obviously everybody misses. They, they've missed on some guys, but I think they, in the ways that they've been able to hit on some guys or ha at least have those guys contribute, um, that that that's a they've done really well there. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and I don't. Yeah, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. They've had some misses, and especially some early round misses, you know. But at the same time, if what what a lot of people don't realize is, it's almost a lot. Drafting in the NFL is a lot like baseball. Like some of the best perceived hitters of all time in baseball batted like three hundred. You know, batted 350, absolute max, you know, like guys that are just and those guys are just considered like titans at the plate, you know, and they failed 70 percent of the time. You know, and that's how drafting in the NFL is. If you can hit on like 30 to 40 percent of your picks and I mean hit as in produce a starter, you know, in all different aspects of, you know, starting caliber players, then you're doing a good job. That's just if you go and look at draft classes and how many players stick and how many players from each class are considered great. If you can hit on thirty percent of those picks, then you're doing a good job. That's just the way it is, you know. So the 49ers are going to have their fair share of misses, but I feel like at the same time they've they've had their fair share of hits, and that's what you got to do, you know. If you can go forty sixty. 30-70, then, then you're on the right track. And I think that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, because they kind of split the duties half and half, have done a good job of that. You know, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with, with John Lynch's ability to uh, to hold it down. So um, now here's when, and on another note, here's when things get challenging. When you no longer have picks, you know, you don't have the third overall pick. You don't have the ninth overall pick. You don't have the second overall pick. Um, you now have the 31st overall pick. So can you hit? that late, you know, in the first round. But again, that doesn't really apply when we're talking about the fact that the 49ers have done great late in the draft, which is completely separate because it's obviously kind of a crapshoot at that point. But um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So, you know, talking about the draft has gotten me a little fired up. You know, I, I need to get on there and start looking at these players and seeing what they can do. And because it's a fun time. The draft is a fun time. Even if the 49ers don't have the most stacked uh, – class of picks you can still enjoy it and enjoy the players that are out there and watch it all unfold and, and we're not too far off you know we're only a couple months from the draft the combine starts in less than a week and then you'll have free agency and before you'll know it, it'll be draft time before and then before you know it, it'll be training camp and all that jazz and we're doing all this right over again so right you know you got any uh anything else you want to you want to throw out there before we wrap up Croc? no i think that's good man yeah i think it's good too and and we we were kind of texting back and forth during the pod uh i think Next next week, you know, uh, it'll it'll be right in the middle of the combine. We'll see what reactions we can have to, from that. I don't think it'll be much, um, but we'll kind of hit you with some draft needs where we think the 49ers should go. Maybe I'll try and dip into a few players that I think the 49ers should look at, whether that's late first round, late second round. But so that's it for us. You know, managed to keep it under an hour, which is totally weird. We don't do that very often. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, as always, you know, my, my late round rambling that I do at the end of my podcast, I just, you know, as always want to tell you guys that I appreciate you being here. I uh, appreciate you guys listening and, and making this podcast what it is. It's been a fun ride and I'm looking forward to, uh, to keeping it rolling. Um, give us a comment, a rating, a subscription, whatever your particular service allows you to do. And, um, you know, show us some love, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Rob underscore louder l-o-w-d-e-r 
and you can find Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. And, you know, we're always on there and chatting it up. So, so hit us up, let us know that you listen, um, and all that good stuff. So this has been another week, Crocker and I, this is striking gold signing off. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.